0: Now our Bible reading tonight is taken from Daniel chapter 2, and I want to read from the verse 36 right through to the end of the chapter. The words will come up on the screen Daniel chapter 2, verse 36 right through to 49, and we would encourage you to follow with us in the Bible reading. If you have your own Bible, please uh, follow in that. Let's hear the word of the Lord, reading, of course, from the authorised version. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, For as much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, Forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, And that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is, that your God is a God of gods, and a Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing that thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man, and gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. And chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel requested of the king, and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own sacred and infallible and inerrant word. Now, this evening, I am continuing our series of expository sermons on the book of Daniel. And tonight, my text is found in Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and verse 45. Listen again to the word of God. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. And my theme tonight, based in this text of Scripture, is God's revelation of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now last Lord's Day evening, my theme was understanding the key to every prophecy in the Bible. And I trust that you will remember that I told you that Daniel 2 contains an amazing prophecy about the future of the world. A prophecy that stretches from the days of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon right up to and including the visible personal return of Jesus Christ literally to the earth in power and glory. Daniel remember stands as the bedrock of all biblical prophecy. Daniel 2 I believe holds the master key that opens the lock onto every other prophecy in the whole of the Bible. Dr. Martin Deham called Daniel 2 the ABC of prophecy. And I believe it is. And of course, when you read Daniel 2, and I would urge you to do that if you haven't done so, remember what you're looking at on the printed page. You're seeing words and beholding things, and I trust that you'll seek to understand the unfolding of God's plan and purpose for the world. You see, Daniel 2 is all about the unveiling of the world's superpowers of the day in succession, their development, their decline, their destruction, right up to the second coming of Jesus Christ in power and glory. The last week, I recall setting before you four things. We thought about the source of the key to biblical prophecy, Daniel 2 verse 28. But there's a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Remember, God conveyed a message to Nebuchadnezzar by a dream. And that's important that you understand that. The second thing that we thought about was we thought about the subject of the key to biblical prophecy. This dream that Nebuchadnezzar had revealed to him by God was about things that shall be hereafter. Things in the latter days. Here's the prediction of future events. Events to do with the last time. And remember Daniel 2 reveals to us a story study of a great image. And it was this image that Nebuchadnezzar beheld in his dream. And you can read about that image in Daniel chapter 2 verse 31 to 35. And then of course Daniel gives the interpretation of that. Daniel chapter 2 verse 36 right through the verse 45. And what we have here are the details of four separate world powers God is using four inferior metals to show the decline and the inferiority of each kingdom in comparison one to another. Now, the head of gold is Babylon. And there can be no guesswork there because if you look very carefully at Daniel chapter 2, verse 36 to 38, in the last phrase of verse 38, Daniel says, Thou art this head of of gold. So we can fix the first kingdom to be the kingdom of Babylon. And we don't need conjecture here. And of course, you cannot argue with the Bible. Thou art this head of gold. I could link it up tonight with the prophecy in the book of Jeremiah, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 27. And God says there in verse 5 and 6, I have made the earth and the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me. And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and the beast of the field have I given him also to serve him. And all nations shall serve him, and his son, and his son's son, until the very time of his land come. And then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. Now, the second kingdom is mentioned in chapter 2, verse 39. It says, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, inferior in quality, inferior in might and in sovereignty. And of course, the reference to the breast and arms of silver is a reference to the Medes and Persians. Now, how do I know that? Well, if you look with me at Daniel chapter 5, and it says there in verse 28, Paris, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Do you see that tonight? And if we go way back in our Bible to Second uh, Chronicles, and in Second Chronicles, uh, chapter uh, thirty-six, we uh, read these words in the verse twenty. Second Chronicles, chapter uh, thirty-six, and in the verse uh, twenty. And it says there, in the first twenty, and them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons. Notice these words until the reign of the kingdom of Persia, and what followed the Babylonian empire was the emperor or the kingdom of the Medes and Persians and then there's a third kingdom mentioned, if you go back to Daniel two, it says in thirty nine another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. Now what is this third kingdom of brass? And it's a reference, I believe, to the Grecian empire. If you think tonight of Daniel chapter 8 and verse 21, he mentions there in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 21 it says in verse 20, the ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. Verse 21, and the rough goat is the king of Grecia and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now, do you see that? And then the fourth kingdom, it says in verse 40, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. And it comes right down to verse 44, and in the days of these kings. Now, I want you to see the connection between verse 40 and verse 44. It's interesting that you shall find none or no information about this fourth kingdom in the Old Testament. Its name isn't revealed. Its character, its composition, its conquests are, it's noted for its Atrocity and brutality and barbarity towards men. But I only have to ask tonight what great kingdom came after Greece. And of course the Bible supplies us the answer. If you look at the New Testament tonight, turn over there to the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke chapter 2, what do we read in verse 1? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Notice the reference here to Caesar Augustus. He was the emperor of the Caesars. And the empire of the Caesars had begun. Remember the Lord Jesus said during his ministry, we render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God." So here's this great image that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about. An image made of iron and silver and brass and, 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 and iron and clay. And it all represented in his mind the form of a human being. And all these four metals came together, the most valuable at the top, starting with the gold, and the least valuable commodity at the bottom uh, being, of course, the clay and the iron mixed together. And, of course, it, it speaks of a deterioration And an inferiority And these uh, four kingdoms are getting less and less In their absolute power There's a whole process of deterioration going on In fact there's a reverse of absolute authority And stability This image of course is all of man It's built around man It relates to a man-centered government It's a man-centered agenda Living independently of God It's really all about godless people pagan kingdom filled with a humanistic philosophy and lifestyle. And of course the old Roman Empire eventually did divide and here's mention here in verse uh, 42 and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And um, we want to think thirdly of the, the scope of the key to biblical prophecy. It's about the latter days, things to come. Uh, we made reference last week to the times of the Gentiles, Luke 21, 24. The times of the Gentiles, I believe, began with Nebuchadnezzar, the end with the personal, visible return of Jesus Christ. And then we closed with the significance of the key to biblical prophecy. Remember how I told you that this was written uh, in Uh, two languages. The book of Daniel is partly written, uh, six chapters almost, in the Aramaic language. Why? So that the people of the day could know excuse. I don't believe that was accidental. I believe it was designed and purposed by God. Daniel was addressing two nations, the Gentile empire of the day, the Babylonians, and also the uh, children of Israel who were in exile. So there's no excuse for anyone to say we didn't know or we didn't understand. And remember how we closed in that sermon mentioning of that. God was going in time to come to establish the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of Jesus Christ on earth. And he was going to do it in the days of these kings. Listen to our text. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Now that's where I left off last day, and I felt I had unfinished business. I felt that some of difficulty grasping what I was trying to say, and I wanted to return to this theme tonight. We're going to think as we uh, develop this of God's revelation of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And three things this evening, very quickly. I want you to think of the mention of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 44 And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Now, after mentioning the four kingdoms the kingdom of Babylon, the kingdom of the Medes and Persians, the kingdom of the Grecians, the kingdom of the Roman Empire, which, of course, is still around to this day, as we're going to see. Then God speaks of another kingdom. I want you to see that. A fifth kingdom. And five in the Bible, remember, is the number of grace. And this fifth kingdom is represented in a particular image. If you look at verse 45 For as much as thou sawest, that the stone was cut out of the mountains without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. Now, isn't that interesting? Did you know that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is pictured in the Bible as a stone? Let me prove that to you from the Scriptures. Turn over there to Psalm 118, and look with me at verse 22. It says, The stone which the builders refused has become the head stone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. And if you turn tonight to the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 14, we read the words there, and he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin, for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And that's a reference, we believe, to Jesus Christ. And then over in chapter 28 and verse 16, we have something similar that's being spoken about. It says... Therefore, thus saith the Lord God Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. And then in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, and verse 11, it was the Apostle Peter that made reference uh, to uh, the stone again, speaking of Christ. Remember he said in verse 10, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This, speaking of Christ, is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head stone of the corner. And Peter, of course, makes reference this also in First Peter chapter 2 and in the verses 4 and 5. And this is what he says. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth in him shall not be confounded. And he was referring, of course, to the prophecy in Isaiah chapter twenty-eight and verse sixteen. The stone does not belong to any or all of the other four kings or kingdoms. This stone is not connected to any of the four kings. It doesn't belong to the company of earthly monarchs. This stone is cut out without hands. This stone is divine in origin. This stone is from heaven. And of course, it's a reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think of the time here. There's a great time mentioned. If you go back to Daniel, uh, notice what it says there in Daniel uh, chapter 2 and in the uh, prophecy there, uh, what do we read? And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. That's the kings, I believe, of a revision of the old Roman Empire The word kings, as you can see, is in the plural. It's a reference, I believe, to those who were the last to bear rule. It couldn't really refer to the the birth of Jesus Christ and his first coming. Because in those days, the Roman Empire was not divided. It was not then fragmented. There was no kings in existence. There was the Caesar. It of course was fragmented later And here's a prophecy That the Roman Empire Is being presented to us In a divided condition And those divisions commenced Some 1600-1700 years ago And I believe of course it's amazing That we are all still living Under the divided parts of the old Roman Empire And all the monarchies of the Western Empire or Western Europe still form a part of the old Roman Empire and exercise dominion and sovereignty over part of that territory. I don't believe yet it's reached its final form. I believe that the ten toes represent ten kings. It could be 10 provinces of the old Roman Empire. And we, of course, can see the development of the Roman Empire in the European Union. And I expect in the future to see the whole of the European Union divide up into 10 parts. And of course, we need faith to believe that God is going to do that. And we need patience because God is at work and God is a set time for working. But not only a great time here, but think of a great truth. God is a kingdom. And the God of heaven is going to and shall set up a kingdom on this earth. And remember this stone symbolizes Jesus Christ. And Christ and his kingdom are both in view here. The stone from heaven cut out without hands fell upon this image. At its very feet, upon those toes of clay and iron, and smash the image. You see, there's a prediction here of a fifth kingdom. The God of heaven, of course, reigns supreme. He is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the world put together. God has a king. Jesus Christ was born King of kings and Lord of lords, and God is going to give to Jesus Christ the throne of his father David. And he's going to establish Christ's kingdom on earth. God, of course, is sovereign in power and glory. And he's telling us here that his kingdom shall have no end. He's telling us here in power and glory that Christ's kingdom shall mash these other kingdoms to pieces. He's telling us here that in his sovereign power and glory, I'm going to do this in the days of these kings. These that were last to reign, last to bear the rule of the Roman Empire at least in its remnant, and here God is saying, I'm going to cause the kingdom of my son to rise up and emerge forth and and be established, and he will bring it to pass and give to that kingdom the place of absolute supremacy and power over all the nations, and of course we believe tonight that God has absolute sovereign power to do this. So there's the mention of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's a fifth kingdom. Think of that great time. Think of that great truth. Now, you think with me tonight, something secondly, the manifestation of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that when the Lord Jesus Christ was born, we read there in the Gospel of Luke, In Luke chapter 1 and verse 32, this is what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. After giving the name, thou shalt call his name Jesus, he told her, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Now this is what God is going to do. Now notice verse 33. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Isn't that interesting tonight? Wasn't the Lord Jesus born into this world as king of kings and lord of lords? Remember whenever he was born the wise men from the east. From Mesopotamia. From the land of Babylon. Asked the question. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? You see Jesus Christ is king now. Jesus Christ is a kingdom now. And and God's kingdom, as I'll explain in a minute, is a kingdom of grace and a kingdom of glory. He was recognized when he came as king. He was revered in heaven as a king. God was giving him a throne, the throne of his father David. He was given the dignity of being the rightful successor to King David to reign over his people. I want you to understand tonight that the Lord Jesus always was the sovereign king of heaven. That the Lord Jesus always had a kingdom. Do you know what I read over there in the uh, book of First Chronicles? I read in chapter 28 these words in chapter 28 and verse 5. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon my son to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Think of those words, the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And in chapter 29 and verse 23, we read something similar. Then Solomon sat in the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father and prospered. And all Israel Obeyed him, sat upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord, sat on the throne of the Lord. You see, remember when the Lord Jesus came into the world as King of Kings and came to our earth after his miraculous incarnation and virgin birth and sinless life he headed to the cross he finished the work that god the father gave him to do he died an atoning death for all he would trust him as lord and savior he bodily rose again from the dead remember he ascended to heaven he went back to his father's throne the lord said unto my lord sit thou at my right hand until i make thine enemies thy footstool and whenever the lord jesus was leaving his disciples um one of the things that he said to them was uh, this, and uh, according to Matthew, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 28, he told them there in the verse 18, he made a remarkable statement about power, and uh, this is what he said, uh, Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Maybe tonight you're listening to me and you're already discouraged. You're in despair. You're thinking about the future of the work of God. And here's the Lord Jesus. And he's saying to his 11 disciples, go and preach the gospel to the nations. Go and preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand preach, repent, for the kingdom of God has come. Do you know that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, are used interchangeably in the Bible? The word kingdom literally means the reign and rule of God has come. And of course, as king of kings in our world, the Lord Jesus has come to implement the kingdom of grace now. And he calls upon men and women to bow the knee to him and accept his kingship now and and to make a full surrender to him. And, And we can talk about Christ reigning and ruling in our hearts now from heaven by the power of his free and sovereign grace. And that's a tremendous experience. Do you know him as such? Is he your Lord and Redeemer? And of course, not only does the Bible speak about the reign of Christ in grace, but it speaks about the kingdom or the reign of Christ in glory. And that's yet to come because the Lord Jesus is coming back in power and glory. And when the time is right and the time is right, God will send forth Christ and Christ will come and set up his everlasting kingdom. The kingdom, of course, will be set up by the God of heaven As I've told you, this stone was separate from the image. It was not a part of the image. Christ has nothing to do with the kingdoms of these worlds. But in the days of these kings, God will set up the kingdom in Christ. Because remember this, God is in absolute sovereign control of time and history. God is in absolute sovereign control over the affairs of men. God is in sovereign control over governments, over countries, over kings and queens. And I want to tell you tonight This isn't just a doctrine folks This isn't just a theory This isn't just a a mere truth This is a wonderful blessed reality God is absolutely sovereign in the lives of men And God is at work tonight even in our world And because God is sovereign and God is in control and God's in charge of the the, the prophetic time clock, God is going in the fullness of time to usher in the kingdom of his Son. And Jesus Christ, who will be seated on the throne of David, will become the greatest ruler that ever ruled in the world. Remember the disciples asked the Lord Jesus before his ascension in Acts 1 and verse 6, Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And what did he tell them? It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which God the Father has put in his own hand. He he reminded them, it's the Lord who's in absolute sovereign control. God's in control of times and seasons. In in control of history. The data is firmly fixed in the heart and mind of God. Don't be prying into these things. I I believe it's wrong to pry into these things. We don't know the date. We don't need to know. But we can learn. Whenever we see things like earthquakes and pestilences and famines taking place, according to Matthew 24, 7 and 8, we can know that all these things are the beginnings of sorrows. There's things that we've got to leave with the Lord. All we need to know is that God is going to set up kings and God can remove kings. God can set up human governments and God can bring down human governments and God can change things very quickly because God is absolutely sovereign and in control. Tell me this, who would have predicted years ago of the fall of the Berlin Wall that divided Germany? Who would have predicted the demise of Russia? A mighty world superpower Who would have ever predicted the United Kingdom Leaving the European Union To become a sovereign state in its own right You see God's in control God's at work Remember what I've said The breakup of the European Union into ten parts We could see it unfolding in our day We would ask tonight Where's the mighty Nimrod he is risen and fallen. Where's the mighty Pharaoh, Ramses II? He has risen and fallen. Where's Nebuchadnezzar? He has risen and fallen. You see, I haven't just got a world view tonight. I've got a view based on the Word of God. I, I can't go beyond the Bible. There's nothing more needed. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be Perfect and thoroughly furnished unto every good work. My authority is based in the Bible. The Bible is all I need. It's sufficient for me. It's clear. Remember, there was a time when Babylon fell swiftly. The Bible tells us that Darius the Mede took the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? That in days when the nations of the world think they're invincible and in absolute control and making decisions babylon thought it was safe and all was well and yet god was at work see i believe tonight that the nation of israel was sent to babylon they were there for 70 years think of their misery daniel lived through four kings God used Nebuchadnezzar. He used Nebuchadnezzar to succor and look after the children of Israel. After 70 years, a remnant returned, and they returned, of course, to ensure the birth of Christ. Christ was born in Bethlehem it was guaranteed that that place would exist. God was looking after the children of Israel. Think of Cyrus the Persian and his decree, the Jews back into their own land, the rebuilding of the temple. Why? Because one day the Lord Jesus would return in person and stand in that temple. The desire of all nations would come. And of course, you think of the common language at that time. In the days of the Grecian Empire, Alexander the Great for 300 years BC and 300 years afterwards, maybe 340, the, the Greek language was like a universal language throughout the whole world. You think of the Roman Empire and the roads that were at work. You see, God was working. But when the time was right and the time was ripe, God sent forth a son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. There's the manifestation of Christ's kingdom. Slowly, bit by bit, progressively, the picture was emerging. God had a king. God had a kingdom. And the emergence of that kingdom was guaranteed. It was going to be established. Let's think as we close of the night of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. If you go back to our text, it tells us there Verse 45 For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces, notice the iron, the brass, the clay, and the silver and the gold. Isn't that interesting? You see, this stone that was cut out of heaven was going to strike the image on the feet on those ten toes. And I believe, of course, that's a reference to the second visible bodily return of Jesus Christ in power and glory. The Roman Empire was not divided or fragmented in its first coming, but it will be divided and fragmented in its second coming. In fact, the, the revising of the Roman Empire is yet to unfold before our eyes. And what is emerging is this, that the Gentile nations are going to be destroyed by this heavenly stone, Jesus Christ, falling upon it. In other words, the Lord Jesus is going to destroy world powers, global governments. This will be a last day event. We're seeing something of the valuableness of Christ and his kingdom. Christ... And his kingdom will eventually triumph. And all secular men, kings, and rulers—all who've stood in opposition to Christ, all who have opposed him, all who have said no to him—he will break in pieces the kingdom of men. Yes, they'll come and go, but in these days they'll tremble and fear. Remember what we read in the uh, Second Thessalonians. We've made reference to this before, but it does worth well repeating. Second Thessalonians, and in. The, uh, chapter 2, we read there uh, these particular words And do you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in a sense. You see, when the Lord Jesus returns again in power and glory, he will smash the kingdoms of this earth. They'll be completely destroyed. He will set up his everlasting kingdom and the powers of darkness, the depravity of men will not stop the almighty working of the power of God and his kingdom will never be destroyed. It shall stand forever. There'll never be a successor to Christ. Could I say tonight that Jesus Christ is the only king worth serving? The Lord Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, hates sin and loves righteousness. You think of his death on the cross. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This king breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free. He can set you free tonight. To whom the son sets free is free indeed. You think of a king who can give you a royal pardon. You've sinned against him. You've offended him. You deserve wrath. In a literal sense, your head could have been chopped off. You could have been thrown to the lions or fed to the crocodiles. But, but this king can set you free tonight if you bow the knee and say, Lord, have mercy upon me. This king can set up his reign and rule in your heart. The love of God can be shed abroad. This king's worth knowing tonight. This king's worth serving. This king is coming. And I say to you tonight, remember the might of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You can't resist him. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Bow the knee now to Christ and trust him as your personal Lord and personal Savior. I commend to you this follow-up message, the revelation of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening tonight.